Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Funding by. Welcome to the Q3 2021 Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask the question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Ms. Flora Woods. Please go ahead. Thank you, Franzi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Q3 call. Our press release and quarterly filings were released yesterday after the close and are available on our website. This event is being webcast live, and you'll be able to access a replay of the call along with the presentation slides that have been added to the website at altsmidrolls.com. Brian Dalton, CEO, and Ben Lewis, CFO, will both be speakers on this call, and then we will open it up for your questions. The forward-looking statement on slide two applies to everything we say, both in our formal remarks and during the Q&A. And with that, I will turn over to Ben to take us through the numbers. Thank you, Flora, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Q3 royalty revenue of 20.8 million or 50 cents per share is higher by 28% from the comparable year ago period and down by 5% from Q2 2021 royalty revenue of 21.9 million or 53 cents per share. Year-to-date revenue of 60.5 million or $1.46 per share is up 33% from the 45.5 million or $1.09 per share recorded for the same period in 2020. Q3 adjusted EBITDA of $16.9 million, or $0.41 cents per share, compares to $12.4 million in Q3 2020 and $17.7 million last quarter. The EBITDA margin was for the quarter was 81%. Adjusted operating cash flow of 18.9 million or 46 cents per share compares to 7.3 million in the third quarter last year and 5.8 million in Q2 of this year. On a year to date basis, operating cash flow of 33.5 million is comparable to the 33.9 million reported for the prior year nine month period which had benefited from lower cash tax installments as a result of payment flexibility granted by tax authorities during COVID-19. Quarterly net earnings of 10 million or 24 cents per share includes four cents in mainly non-cash adjustment items that are identified in the waterfall table and slide that you can find on our website, leading to adjusted net earnings of 20 cents per share. The Board of Directors has declared a quarterly dividend of $0.07 per share, consistent with the 40% increase that we announced at the end of last quarter. 
the dividend will be paid to shareholders of record at November 30th, with the payment date being December 15th, 2021. Now to the balance sheet and capital allocation. The cash position increased to 30 million at the end of Q3 after strong royalty-based cash flow generation and cash generated by net sales in the project generation business. This amount does not include the ARR cash balance of 69.8 million, which we consolidate in our financial statements as a result of our 59% ownership in ARR. The debt balance at quarter end consisted of 50 million outstanding under under the term facility and 68.7 million drawn against our 175 million revolving facility. Scheduled principal repayments of 5 million were made during the quarter. Going forward, this scheduled amount reduces to 2 million per quarter in accordance with the recent credit agreement amendments that we were negotiated in order to increase our capital allocation flexibility while also expanding our total available liquidity. We continue to be active during the quarter under our normal course issuer bid as well and have repurchased and canceled 585,300 shares or 1.4% of the shares outstanding during the nine month period ended September 30th. That's my main remarks today and now I'll turn it over to Brian. Uh, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Flora. Q3 was another good one overall for Altius. It saw a strong rebound in royalty revenue, EBITDA, and cash flow from year-ago levels, as well as strong cash generation from sales of select equities from our project generation equities portfolio. We also had a lot of positive news flow related to our internal growth pipeline royalties. During the quarter, there were noteworthy operational improvements at Chipata and strong royalty distributions related to our indirect IOC holdings. These were offset by slightly lower throughput at 777, annual maintenance shutdowns at several of the Saskatchewan potash mines and at Boise Bay's Long Harbor Processing Facility, and an outage at one of the three power generating units at Genesee. Base metal prices continue at favorable levels. Potash market prices are at multi-year highs with realized prices following, but on the typical lag basis. Iron ore prices have recently retreated from all-time highs seen earlier in the year, however remain at healthy levels on a historic basis, particularly with regard to ore product exposures that attract significant purity-based premiums. Reading through the commentary and updates we have been receiving from our operators suggests that Q4 has the potential to be another very solid quarter. Chapada is expected to benefit from continuing strong mill throughput and copper recoveries. Annual maintenance programs have now been completed at the potash mine, and Nutrien in particular expects to continue to ramp up production levels into pre-built capacity in order to meet unprecedented global demand. Mosaic also continues to accelerate the ramp up of production from the K3 area of the Esterhazy potash mine to offset lost production related to the early closure of K1 and K2 earlier in the year due to water inflows. Long Harbor plant maintenance has been completed and the new Reebrook nickel mine at Boise's Bay continues to ramp up and contribute to overall production levels. Genesee expects to be fully operational again before the end of the quarter. 
Altius Renewable Royalties experienced a tremendous quarter in its business development history. With the underlying GBR joint venture, which ARR holds equal, equally with Apollo, successfully deploying over $100 million in new investments. Its royalty portfolio has now grown to 16 projects with a collective capacity of more than 3.5 gigawatts of wind and solar generation. And it has announced that its expected timeline for reaching the milestone of positive cash flow has been moved forward to 2022. We're picking up an increasing number of potential organic growth signals related to several of our operating and pipeline royalties. And over the coming year, we are looking forward with great anticipation to a host of further operator announcements that could represent meaningful growth catalysts for our business. To highlight a few, Lundin Mining has indicated that it will report upon its major ongoing near-mine drilling program at Chapada, as well as parallel mine expansion studies over the course of the year. Champion Iron expects to complete and report in H2 next year on the results of its updated feasibility study for the Cami Iron Ore Project, where we hold a 3% title-registered gross sales royalty. It is noted that this study is evaluating the potential for Cami to produce ultra-high-purity pure, products that could serve the non-coal-based direct-reduction electric arc, arc furnace steelmaking subsegment, which it further notes to be gaining market share quickly around the world as emissions penalties become increasingly factored into cost structures. Anglo Gold Ashanti reported during the quarter that it has discovered two potentially significant gold deposits at the Silicon Project in Nevada, over which we hold a tightly registered 1.5% NSR royalty. It is currently completing initial resource estimates and economic studies that it expects to report on in coming months as part of what it is describing as a potential tier one production opportunity in Nevada. That's actually worth repeating, a potential tier one gold production opportunity in Nevada. Lithium Royalty Corporation, a private company that we hold 12.6% co-founding interest in, holds several royalties that catalyst for developing rounds. It has a royalty related to Neolithium's large-scale Trace Sobrata's lithium brine project in Argentina, that has recently delivered a positive definitive feasibility study, achieved pilot level production of commercial grade products, and is the current subject of a friendly takeover bid by Zijin Mining. LRC also holds royalties over Sigma Lithium's Grota the Cerillo project in Brazil and Core Mining's Finish project in Australia, both of which are spodumene based lithium projects that have announced construction starts. Altius owns direct royalties relating to Trace Cabradas and Grota Cerillo that were acquired under its 10% co-investment rights with LRC. Uh, for those interested in learning more about LRC, I'd certainly suggest visiting the uh, lithiumroyaltycorp.com uh, site, and you can uh, you can see just uh, how much progress that business has been making. Aventus Mining recently published a positive definitive feasibility study for its copper, gold, and zinc-rich Eldomo deposit in Ecuador and expects to report on project financing and permitting activities over the next several months. Here we hold a title registered 2% NSR royalty. Speaking more broadly now, it is clear that inflationary forces are building in both the mining and power generation sectors. And while this is pressuring all operators, we believe it to be a strong overall net positive for our business. Our exposures are generally calculated at or near top line rather than marginal, meaning that we aren't directly impacted by inflating capital and operating costs, but are beneficiaries of any product price increases. 
that the higher cost structures ultimately result in. This is beginning to feel quite reminiscent of what played out in the middle part of the prior market upcycle, and that resulted in supply incentivization prices moving up sharply over the course of a few years. For example, we estimate that the copper incentive price would have been in the 120 range in 2007, but by 2012, it exceeded $3 a pound, with actual market prices following along nicely. We have some charts in the opening part of our investor day presentation from earlier in the year that illustrate what happened back then for anyone interested. It's available on our website. Finally, several of you have been asking about our potential participation in a series of sales processes that have recently been launched relating to base metal focused royalty portfolios. Altius is evaluating these opportunities, both technically and financially, and using our disciplined long-term per share growth focused investing approach. Can't say I'm overly confident that anything will result for us from these processes, but can say that one such source of attractive long-term growth and value that we have been able to identify and continue to regularly purchase called Altius Minerals. Thank you, and happy now to turn it over to questions. Thank you. And participants, as a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, you will need to press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. Again, that's star then the number one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Carrie McCurry from Kinecord Genuity. Your line is now open. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ms. Mark Curry, your line is now open. If you yep, are on mute, on please unmute. On, on mute. Yep, sorry. Good morning, everyone. Um, maybe on Potash, I know you've talked a bit about the lag on pricing, but if I look at sort of normalized volumes and, you know, obviously the Potash price had a huge move in Q3, it sort of implies your Q4 revenue could almost double. Um, is that sort of in line with your expectations? Yes, the past pattern holds. I mean, really, our realized price looks a lot like the prior quarter's market pricing. So, you know, the move in, in Q3 is, we'd expect that in Q4, maybe stretching into the Q1 next year a little bit. And, and then I'll just go on to say that, you know, uh, you know, what we heard from the operators on their calls was that they'd expect to realize current market pricing 
mostly in Q1. So again, same same sort of pattern, current pricing in about a one quarter lag. I think if you look at it that way, um, over time, that's what that's what's been playing out well for us. So yeah, it should be a really barn burner type finish in potash. Nice, nice. Um, and then maybe on iron ore, obviously a lot of volatility going on in the iron ore sector in the last month or a couple of months. Just sort of your thoughts on where you see iron ore right now. It's, you know, it's obviously come back, but, but from what? That's the key point here. I mean, that was, that price of mid-year here never felt very comfortable. I didn't think it's healthy at that at that level. Where we're to right now is, uh, you know, it, I think is a pretty healthy overall level. Um, you know, there's obviously a, there's a huge short position in iron ore right now, so I don't know how fundamental the price we're at today is. You know, there's, there's sentiment and market uh, market noise out there. Um, one thing I would point out is that if you look at it on a year-over-year basis, prices are down if you're dealing with lower quality products. They're, you know, maybe down by a third or so year-over-year. But if you look at the higher end, so say the 65 or 66 uh, benchmark, as well as the uh, pellet premium, we're actually up, I think, you know, November to November 1, it was something like um, you know, up 14 for the 66 and up 18 on the, on the pellet premium. So that bifurcation is part of the story. It continues. Um, and, you know, so you read the headline and the benchmark is what gets quoted, but it's not everything. Some of the pressures that are on iron ore right now come from pressures that are being imposed on the steelmaking industry to cut emissions, and you know, a lot of that's in China. And I think that's why you're seeing less negative impact or relative outperformance in the higher end of the spectrum. It's just, it's just the market uh, rationalizing the cost of emissions as part of uh, the overall structure of iron ore making. But look, long and short of it is that uh, that was fun through the summer. We'll be looking at you know $300 pellet prices, but it was never realistic. It, this is a good level. It's a healthy level. We'd expect uh, still very strong uh, yield against at least our purchase price in Lyrox shares at uh, anything close to these levels. And I'd also go as far as to say that I think these levels and even less than this would still be sufficient to incentivize uh, growth, uh, particularly for higher end, uh, higher quality product production. All good. Okay, great. And then maybe one last one for me and then I'll pass it on, but just it looks like Lithium Royalty Corp you know, a bunch of their projects are moving forward. Just wondering your thoughts there on, you know, how Altius ultimately will benefit from that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a bit more visible to our shareholders just how well, you know, Altius Renewable Royalties is done. And, uh, you know, it's, it's out there and it's a public company and you can see it. But uh, if there's another royalty company out there New that um, that has done at least as well, if not better, over the past few years in, in launching from a from a zero start. It would have to be LRC, in my opinion. They've really picked 
assets well. They took full advantage of the uh, big sell-off in lithium beginning in around 2018. And uh, we're able to put a lot of really good capital to work on good projects. And now they're seeing the fruits. Lithium is obviously, uh, as, a, as a commodity, is acting really nicely here. Pretty much exactly as a function of the big burst in uh, in global EV sales that's underway. Um, and investments are getting made in the projects that they bought royalties on. These are these are getting built. So as far as you know, for, from an LCS perspective, uh, you know, we're really happy with the investment. It's not really for us to make the call. We're just a shareholder in terms of what the ultimate path for LRC is, whether it uh, maybe becomes a public company or uh, you know, any other type of corporate transactions are, are in store for it. I don't, I don't know. But overall, as far as you know, we we made our decision with regards to lithium that it was going to be a better investment for us if we were to join with people that could focus on it on a very dedicated basis rather than trying to uh, do it completely on our own. And we chose the team we did, and, and I'll give a big shout out to Ernie Ortiz, CEO there, um, and, and really couldn't be happier with it. So we're all I'll say about it for now is that we're extremely happy holders uh, and probably willing investors in further growth there. Great. Uh, that's it for me. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, sir. Your next question comes from the line of Greg Hutchison from CD Securities. Your line is now open. Hi, guys. Good morning. Hey, Greg. And just a follow-up question on Potash. Just in terms of the volumes, obviously there are some capacity constraints here in the third quarter due to some, some maintenance issues. But any sense on, on kind of where the volumes are this quarter and, and maybe what we can kind of expect for next year? Um, kind of we, we'll be back to kind of similar levels to maybe Q1 where they were quite strong or any sense there would be helpful. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously a fair bit of seasonality in that business, you know, it gets applied in the spring and again in the fall. So volumes can be, or at least sales, I should say, can you know really can fluctuate around over the course of a year. And then it's been typical for many years for annual maintenance programs to be carried out in uh, in late summer. Um, there's probably a bit more of that than usual. It might be a function of just how hard they've been, the lines have been run for the last little while. But like if I, if I look to Nutrien as a proxy here, they're guiding to somewhere around, well, I think around a million tons of extra overall uh, production this year. So that does imply a pretty strong Q4. And they further commented that uh, they've got the option established and ready to increase that by an even further 1 million tons next year. Um, so, you know, continuation of the pattern we've been seeing for a long time, when we bought those royalties, uh, one of the key appeals was that there was a lot of extra unutilized capacity that was bought and paid for that could just be, be, be ramped up. And we've seen that since we bought them, just steady volume growth across the portfolio, uh, which is certainly accelerating right now to the point that... Uh, 
know, I can't tell you how many times I, you know, I was shot down on that argument about how valuable that optionality was. And I heard back was, oh, well, potash is forever oversupplied. And, uh, you know, that, that stuff, that, that, that optionality is, is kind of moved. Well, guess what? Uh, that's getting eaten up pretty soon right now, uh, pretty quickly right now, probably sooner than maybe even the operators would have expected to the point that it's got to be starting to um, be thought about when you consider how long capital investment takes in potash before new capacity is built. I think it's at, at current, current current trajectories here, that capacity, that, that extra capacity could easily be consumed before you could, if you started today, have extra capacity built on. So I just really like the way that's playing out. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to the day when we hear announcements from these operators that they're pouring more money into the assets to further grow out their capacity. Again, maybe that's a longer-term answer to what you were asking, probably is more of a near-term outcome. But look, they're, they're ramping up production here. They've got the extra capacity. It's the only place in the world that does. And demand is off scale and food stocks are are low farmers are making lots of money it's um, it's a perfect storm okay well thanks for that and, and it's interesting in terms of you know obviously you got a lot of lines in the water on different commodities but is there any commodity in particular you guys are focusing on trying to increase your exposure to i think we cover the spectrum pretty decently. Um, maybe in the next big downturn, there might be some things we'll try to work harder on to add into the mix. But, um, you know, for now, I think you've heard me say this before, for, for this cycle anyway, I think our bets are largely in, um, either in the form of a part of the portfolio that's already cash flowing or all of the pipeline um, pipeline royalties that we're getting all this good news from right now. So we just let it evolve as we go here. But, you know, if you looked at our weighting of, of revenues by commodity, uh, and, and probably even more importantly, if you looked at our weighting on a NAV basis, it won't look that far off of, you know, the mix of traded value across the broader metals commodity spectrum so we're, we feel like we're pretty balanced um so, you know we'll always tweak and thanks i appreciate the color guys thank you sir and again participants as a reminder to ask the question you will need to press star then the number one on your telephone keypad again that's star then the number one on your telephone keypad your next question comes from the line uh, Brian McArthur from Raymond James. Your line is now open. Uh, good morning, um, Brian. I just wanted to follow up on your comment um, that obviously you mentioned base metal prices are maybe not at the bottom right now. You're looking at potentially um, deals there, but not confident that you'll get that done. Is that confidence based on one, just you think prices are too high and the deals are difficult or is it too in the overall scheme of balancing the company obviously ARR has done very very well at uh, deploying funds I mean you own 59% of it um, 
you know, Apollo owns 50% there. So if they move forward, they need more funding. Is it a independent decision or is it part of balance in the overall portfolio? I mean, i.e., would you rather be putting more money into renewables now than even base metals? Brian, I think we're, I think it's be fair to say we're, you know, we're open-minded around M&A opportunities that might come up. You're definitely correct in saying that uh, from a metals prices perspective, things aren't as attractive as they would have been, say, in 2015 and 2016 when we were really busy. But that doesn't say that you can't still find, you know, value and technical situations where you just have enough of a conviction around uh, long-term growth that uh, that you can't do something. But, I mean, more broadly, what we've got to balance these days when we look at M&A opportunities is, A, what we believe is a really strong internal growth pipeline. So, you know, to the extent that, say, an M&A transaction required us to use equity, well, that would be really tough right now because right. we're diluting that optionality. And the other factor is, you know, it's, it's, it's all about assets. And um, I think there's a high bar for us right now in terms of anything we look at not being diluted to, to quality uh, of our own portfolio. So I guess it's a roundabout way of saying that we're open-minded. We're doing the work. Um, it's very competitive out there. We know that. Uh, so I, I just wanted to sort of set a bit of a cautious tone as people hear about all these processes and, and maybe getting excited about, you know, sort of big splashy M&A that uh, we're going to hold our discipline here. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do our best. And meanwhile, as we've been saying for a while, um, what we've got embedded in our own structure uh, is we feel really good about. Again, our best are in and we think they're really strong. And philosophically, um, putting more money into ARR from an Altius perspective, how do you think about that? I mean, obviously you'd like it to be self-funding and as you said, it's got cash flow now, so it probably can be, but you know, if shares get cheap there do you, and once the, once you can, do you buy more shares there if, if that's attractive? Yeah, it's attractive, um, and, it, and I mean, it is. It's, I mean, the trajectory there and the way that thing is evolving and growing, adoption is taking place, um, has been pretty remarkable. Be, remarkable to be part of, to be to be quite honest. I, I won't, uh, you know, go as far as to box Altius Minerals into investment decisions, but you know, if something comes up and there's more capital needed at ARR. Um, with a lot of confidence that at the Altius Minerals level, there's a, they're pretty open ears there. Great. Thanks very much. It's great to have lots of different options. Lots going on. Lots of fun. Thank you, Brian. Your next, mm-hmm. Your next question comes from the line of Eros Wolkadow from Scotiabank. Your line is now open. Oh, hi. It's uh, actually Oris uh, walking out here. Um, good morning, everybody. I, I know you've spent a lot of time uh, talking about M&A at the asset level. I'm just curious, more bigger picture, whether just given it's become obviously so competitive, 
to find new opportunities. Um, I'm wondering if there's any, if you see any potential opportunities at the corporate level, perhaps from an M&A perspective, to to uh, combine with another, um, mid, call it mid to small size royalty company, um, not only to uh, diversify further, but also just to put your market cap into a, a different sphere of, call it investable options for for uh, institutional money managers. And I'm just curious if if that's something that is, uh, if you see opportunities out there. Um, I mean, you've hit upon a great debate topic, I guess. Um, you know, there's a, certainly a common view out there that, that scale matters in terms of uh, multiple expansions and those sorts of things. So there's an argument for getting big they could get it. Uh, it's a hard one for us to get our heads around. I mean, any kind of corporate transaction really doesn't that much different than an asset transaction would. Um, it still boils down to the quality of the assets that you're that are, that are housed in, as a corporate or as a portfolio sale. So would they be diluted to quality generate full cycle Earn is there embedded optionality? All the same kinds of questions um, going to due diligence and, and um, but I can pretty much tell you as a company and as a board, growth for the mere sake of that doesn't make sense otherwise. Will not be happening. Okay. And, and just um, if I could also ask, can you give us an update on where things sit with the litigation in Alberta uh, with respect to the, the phasing out of, of coal power? Uh, yes, I can. Um, so things have been a bit delayed in Alberta, mostly due to, to COVID. So I know there's a hearing coming up. It's not the end of this month. It's early next month and so we had a decision from you know it's a sub level to courts in alberta it's a, um, a master not a judge that hears it uh who ruled against us in the litigation and so that caused us to appeal now to the court system so we're actually in the court system right now so that's coming up pretty pretty soon, at least the next uh, hearing of that appeal um, as to whether or not the uh, lawsuit goes forward or not. Um, or maybe after the call, you could update. I think there's a section on our website that uh, sort of updates progress and filings there. So maybe you could uh, make sure that that's updated for listeners. So yeah, keep on top I'll of do. Seems, seems the, like the master out, decision out, is up there. Is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that master's decision has been appealed, and it'll be heard relatively soon. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Your next question comes from the line of Adrian Day from Adrian Day Asset Management. Your line is now open. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Um, well, the last speaker took my uh, my standard question on the coal lawsuit. Uh, but let mm-hmm. me also ask you, if I may, about the prospect generator, uh, um, you know, the equity business where you're doing a, 
a superb job. Um, I've often said Chad should become a money manager, but um, <laughs> you obviously you obviously had some sales, and I don't know if these were primarily based on were, were these selling can you tell us were these selling an entire stake in specific companies or was it just you know trimming certain stakes and then the second question on that prospect general on that equity business would be um i are you actively buying new stakes in smaller companies or are you just looking you know you got them you got most of them through deals you did but are you actively buying some in the market um, on the first part of the question, it, it hasn't been like, you know, sort of trimming across the whole portfolio. It's, it has been pretty focused around a couple of names that uh, might be a little less core for us just because, you know, we don't have, say, for example, a, a, an adjoining royalty interest or something. Um, and, you know, it's usually linked as much as anything for us to boost in liquidity. Right. That that's as much as when you manage the size of positions that we manage that that that's a real big factor. So it's I'm not going to answer what the names are, but it's it's been fairly targeted. Um, yes, we are also in the market in certain cases, adding to existing positions, adding other small uh, um, positions here and there. Uh, but most of the ads, I guess, would be to names that we already hold and that, um, you know, we continue to have great fade in. And when we see market price, market based opportunity, we're, we're active there. A few of these were, you know, we're already filing on, but for two of the size of the position. So you'll probably see that we've added to uh, pretty regularly, actually, to Origin. And uh, we've uh, uh, we added to Adventus a little bit during the quarter. So, you know, just incremental bits and pieces along the way here when we see real good uh, good opportunities and value. Okay. Superb. Thank you. Thank you, Adrian. And speaker, we don't have any questions over the phone. I would like to turn it back to Ms. Flora. Please continue. Thank you, Francie. And really want to thank everybody for dialing in. Great set of questions. And we'll look forward to speaking to you again after your end results. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.